Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Luke chapter 19, starting at the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Sarah, thanks uh, very much indeed. Sometimes I uh, look at people and I think to myself, they will never become a Christian. It might be someone famous, you know, a proud sports personality, a, a bombastic politician, a hard-nosed businessman. I look at them and I think they'll never become a Christian. Or somebody, somebody infamous, a wicked dictator or a notorious criminal. Never. I think to myself, if they did become a Christian, what a difference Jesus could make in their lives. What, a, what an impact it would have on the world. But they'll never become a Christian. Sometimes I think that way when I think of uh, people that I know quite well. People who show no interest in Jesus Christ when I talk to them. Not even those who are particularly aggressive. They're just not interested. Or people who have a lifestyle that is so clearly at odds with the values in God's kingdom. I think they would never change. They'll never become Christians. Well, because I've been looking at um, uh, Luke chapter 19 this week, I've imagined that if I lived 2,000 years ago, I'd have thought that very thing about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Zacchaeus was a businessman with a really questionable reputation. He was a rogue trader, a dodgy dealer. His business practices had made him fabulously wealthy, but his ill-gotten gain had cost him too. He was a social pariah, considered a traitor and a crook. He wouldn't have been on many people's Christmas card lists. He just didn't have many friends. Zacchaeus, verse 2, was a tax collector. And tax collectors worked for the enemy, the Romans, collecting taxes and taking a sizable cut for themselves. And those who get rich at the expense of others are hated by the general public. Is that not the case? You know, undercover journalists like to expose these sorts of people, setting up secret cameras to catch them red-handed. And when the footage is shown on the television news, most of us, if not all of us, are pleased they've been caught and we want them to have the full force of the law to give them everything they deserve. Most of us, if not all of us, dislike those who get rich at the expense of others, fleecing old ladies out of their life savings charging extortionate sums of money for repairs on houses that don't even need to be done. We hate that sort of thing, don't we? And so Zacchaeus wouldn't have got much sympathy from those around him. He was like that. In short, Zacchaeus was loaded but lonely and lost. 
And that's why this story is so significant as it comes here in Luke's gospel. You see, if you've been here over the past weeks or if ever you've read through Luke's gospel in a thinking manner, at this point in Luke, we're probably asking, is there a gospel for the wealthy? Is there good news for the rich? And you remember way back in chapter four, when Jesus began his public ministry, Luke tells us that he stood up in a synagogue. He took the scroll of prophet Isaiah and he read these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to who? To the poor. And then as we read through Luke's gospel, we're left in no doubt that Jesus is for the poor. But what about the rich? A few weeks back in chapter 16, we met a rich man and Lazarus. Never mind what happened to Lazarus. He was a poor man. He went to heaven. But the rich man, he ended up in Hades when he died. Is there any good news for the rich in Luke? Two weeks ago, we met a rich man as he approached Jesus in chapter 18. Jesus challenged him in verse 22 to give everything he had to the poor and then come follow me. And verse 23, the rich man went away very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And as Jesus watched him walk away, verse 24, he looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those words stopped the disciples in their tracks and they said, verse 26, well, who then can be saved? Is there good news for the rich? Well, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, answers that question with a firm and resounding yes. Yes, there is good news for the rich. It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But chapter 18, verse 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And so in Zacchaeus, we see the impossible happening. Look at Zacchaeus and you might well think he would never become a Christian. Impossible. But what is impossible for men is possible with God. And as we see the impossible happening, as we see Zacchaeus, a thoroughly crooked rich man, entering the kingdom of heaven, we should think if he can get into heaven, then anyone can. Anyone. This story comes towards the end, the the climax of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, There's now only really one thing left for Jesus to do, as he explained to his disciples. We saw this last week, chapter 18 and verse 31. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, which was a great phrase that Jesus liked to use for himself, Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be turned over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. Here's Jesus telling his disciples he's going up to Jerusalem on his way to the cross. And as he headed for Jerusalem, he had to pass through Jericho. On the outskirts of the town, he had an encounter with a blind beggar in chapter, th- in chapter 18, verses 35 to 43. And then we read chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. That, that phrase, passing through, gives the distinct impression that Jesus is not going to stop for anything. He is just passing through because he has a date with destiny. He is going to Jerusalem. He's going to die on the cross. That's what he's passing through for. And so as Jesus walked through Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd following, it seemed he was going to stop for nothing. 
as I thought about this, it took me back uh, five years ago to the Olympic torch relay as it came through Sheffield. Some of you will have gone. It's a great moment. It was passing through. Despite the huge crowds that had gathered lining the roads, catch, want to get a, catch a glimpse of this torch, nothing was going to stop the procession. It was going to keep on rolling by, and surely it did. That's how it was with Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho, or so it seemed. And we read verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Just suddenly, for a moment, the, the focus shifts. For a moment, our eyes are off Jesus and onto this other man, Zacchaeus. His name, incidentally, means pure or, or righteous. His profession, we've already thought about it, a tax collector. His home, Jericho, which was a great place to be a tax collector because Jericho was on the border and as such it was a a chief customs point for goods moving in and out of Palestine. So it was a lucrative place to be a tax collector. And verse 2, Zacchaeus was a, do you see it there, chief tax collector. He had people under him. So not only did he make money by fleecing his clients, But on top of that, he got a cut of everything made by all those who were working for him, who were fleecing their clients. And so we're told, verse 2, he was wealthy. More literally, he was very wealthy. Here was a man sleeping with the enemy, making himself fabulously rich in the process. Over the years, others had paid heavily to fund his life of luxury. To say he wasn't a popular guy would be a massive understatement. And so Zacchaeus isn't going to get a lot of sympathy from those around, as we see in verse 3. You see, Jesus was passing through and Zacchaeus wanted to see him. But verse 3, being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Can you see him in your mind's eye trying to squeeze through the gap in the crowd to get a spot in the front row because he's little and he can't get there? Uh, excuse me, can I um, just pass, squeeze through? Can I get to the front, please? Can I can't see. But seeing it was Zacchaeus, the crowd deliberately squeezed together to make it impossible for him to get through. Look, it's not easy being a little guy in a crowd, said the preacher with feeling. (laughs) So pleased to be up here, I can see everything for once. David Gooding writes, Zacchaeus was a short man, perhaps with a short man's inner urge to prove himself and gain recognition. I've no idea what he's talking about. Anyway, Zacchaeus clearly was a determined man and unable to get to the front of the crowd. So, verse 4, he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus, desperate to see Jesus. We don't know why. We're not told. We do know that Jesus' reputation always went before him by this point. By now, wherever Jesus went, a crowd gathered. And who knows, it might just have been that Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, which we're told in Luke 7 and Luke 15. And so Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the sinner, wanted to see a man who was a friend to people like him, a friend to people who'd fleeced others to get what they wanted, a man who'd lost all his friends because of his lifestyle. Perhaps at this point, again, we don't know, Zacchaeus had realised that money didn't buy him happiness. He certainly knew it didn't buy him friends. The religious establishment disapproved of him. Society at large shunned him. And so lonely and lost, he wanted to catch a glimpse of the man who'd befriended people just like him. Now look, in many ways, we'll be 
very different to Zacchaeus. But if you've ever felt lost, then this is for you. And by lost, I mean that, that sense that you've blown it. You've made mistakes. Remembering the mistakes in the past is painful. I'm all too aware of the mistakes I've made in the past and in the not-so-distant past as well. And I'm all too aware of the hurt that my mistakes have caused others. And when there's stuff like that in your life, you feel vulnerable and at times lonely and certainly at times lost. And feeling lost like that, it's very easy to wonder if God would accept you. Because a lot of other people don't. So Jesus was in town and Zacchaeus ran to meet this friend of tax collectors and sinners. And note the urgency in verse 4, he ran. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. Zacchaeus made a real effort to see Jesus. And then the most surprising thing happened, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. It looked as if he wasn't stopping for anything or anyone. But then when he saw Zacchaeus up in a tree, he didn't just walk on by. No, he stopped in his tracks. And he stopped because Zacchaeus was exactly the reason Jesus was passing through Jericho. This was no chance encounter. How do I know that? Well, look at the punchline. Look at verse 10. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It's the point of the story. At first, as we read this, we think Zacchaeus is going to extreme lengths to see Jesus. But more importantly, Jesus was going to extreme lengths to find Zacchaeus. It's the experience of many, many people. I I guess if we went around the room, it might be a good thing to do after this meeting to to share our stories with others. I can think of it in my own life when 35 years ago as a 19-year-old, I began to ask questions about life and death and how I could be forgiven. My brother had become a Christian. He began to speak about the difference that Jesus made to him and so I began to take steps to find out more about Jesus. And at the time, I thought I was seeking him. Oh, but now, of course, as I look back, now when I reflect on everything, not just those months when I was thinking it all through, but way back, right through my life, now I can see that all along it was Jesus who was seeking me out. It's exactly what happens here with Zacchaeus. And it's exactly what Jesus taught in the parable of the lost sheep at the beginning of chapter 15. Do you remember it when we... Did that, uh, when was that? Back in September. Here is the good shepherd looking for the lost, seeking out one, even one who was lost. And so seeing Zacchaeus up a tree, verse five, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. It's remarkable that he called him by name. Jesus knew him. As far as we know, they'd never met before. As far as we know, no one had ever told Jesus about Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, but Jesus knew all about him and that tells us a lot about Jesus. Who is this one who knows all about people that he's never even met before, apparently? And then, not only 
does he know his name, but I love the irony as he calls his name. Do you remember Zacchaeus means righteous, it means pure, but a less righteous and pure man you'd struggle to find in the crowd on that day. There might have been some, but you wouldn't have been easily finding them. Interesting how names work sometimes, isn't it? When I was a boy, our family dentist was Mr. Payne. The irony wasn't lost on his patients or on him, so actually on the board outside the surgery said, Mr. Bedford Payne. But my dad knew him when he was a boy. They grew up together. And he enjoyed telling us that when he became a dentist, he changed his name to the double-barreled Bedford Payne from Payne, just so he'd get more customers, I presume. I was talking to my brother about this the other day, having remembered this, and he told me of a friend of his who's now a pastor but was a GP in the past, and his name was Strain, Dr. Strain. I reckon he should have been a physio. My brother also told me that he'd driven past a high Anglican church and on the notice board he saw that the vicar was the Reverend Chalice. That's quite good, isn't it? For me, that still doesn't trump the clergyman whose surname was Christmas. And he was a high churchman, so yes, they called him Father Christmas. They really did. It's a true story. Very seasonal. Anyway, I'm going off on one here. Sometimes names work perfectly like that, but other times the paradox can't be missed. You'll know that if you've ever met somebody called Joy and she's a miserable complainer. Ever met somebody like that? Or Grace, who doesn't display much grace to others when they get things wrong. It's funny that, isn't it? That's why my name works perfectly. Paul means small. How did my parents know? I don't know, but that's another thing altogether. Anyway, that's the kind of irony behind this tax collector, this con man being called Zacchaeus. Righteous, righteous. That was his parents' great hope for their son that he'd grow up and be a well-respected pillar of society. What a disappointment he must have been to his parents. Even his parents were disappointed with this man. So here's Jesus shouting to Zacchaeus up a tree. Verse five, Zacchaeus, righteous. Come down, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so verse six, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. What a moment this was. Here is Jesus, the friend of sinners, showing his friendship to Zacchaeus by going to his house. No one ever did that with Zacchaeus. No one wanted anything to do with him. Look at how the crowd responded. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. The crowd were troubled by it. But that's exactly what Jesus is like. That is exactly what our God is like. See, this aspect of God's character, that he is a friend of sinners, always divides people. Some hate the thought that God would accept bad people like Zacchaeus. I've often met people when I tell them the gospel and say, anybody here, what, even, and then they mention the worst person, they, yeah, even they could be a Christian. No, I don't like that at all. But that said, there'll be a number here this evening who can hardly believe their luck when they hear this. You see, when you know you've blown it, perhaps like Zacchaeus, when you know you've blown it materially, well, this is very good news. I mean, there'll be people in this room, no, you won't be quite like Zacchaeus, but you've made some really bad decisions that have been motivated by greed. And as a result, you've left a trail of hurt behind you. You've been ruthless at work to get the promotion. Walked all over others, gone behind their backs in order to get on and get up in the world to get a few more bucks. 
Or there's been a family dispute over money, an inheritance that you felt should be yours. And in your greed, you put your foot down and stood your ground because you wanted what you believed was your share of the inheritance. And it's all got out of hand and the words were said and now it's left a bitter taste in the family and things are just not right between you and it's never really been sorted. Or you look back and you've seen how your desire for wealth motivated you to work ridiculously ridiculously long hours to the detriment of your children. Well, at the time, you explained it away as providing for the family. But the truth is, you were motivated by materialism. You just wanted more stuff. And so you left your wife to bring up the kids alone. Your children, they hardly ever saw you. Of course, most people don't see that side of your character. To most, you look like a hard-working, self-respecting, middle-class person. But you know the truth. You know the things that you did for a life of material comfort and ease. A life that ironically has left you feeling not comfortable but very uncomfortable and uneasy. Yes, and at times really quite alone. Well, look, here's Zacchaeus driven by money, left a trail of hurt and destruction and broken lives behind him. Everybody knows about it, including the living God. But, and here's the thing, Jesus has gone looking for him. Just him. And Jesus wants to have tea with him in his home. Because Jesus is the friend of sinners. And he's a friend of this sinner. See, if I'd have been alive 2,000 years ago, I'd have looked at Zacchaeus and thought, he'll never become a Christian. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. It is possible for Zacchaeus to have a relationship with God restored. And if it is possible for Zacchaeus, it's possible for you. For you to be accepted by God. Jesus wants to be your friend. That's exactly why he went to Jerusalem, to save sinners like you and me. Chapter 18, verse 32, he went to Jerusalem to die on a cross, to take the punishment for your sin and mine. And we'll be remembering that as we take bread and wine in a moment. He did it exactly to make you his friend. That's how much he loves you. And it is personal. It's not just, you see, that he died for the sins of the world. That's true. He died for your sin and for mine and for Zacchaeus' sin. He went to Jericho to seek and to find this one very lost rich man. It's what he came for, verse 10, to seek and to save the lost. You see, it's a wonderful thing to hear if you're anything like Zacchaeus. It divides people. Some people hate it. But if you know you're a sinner, it is a wonderful thing to hear. And so verse 6, Zacchaeus came down from the tree and welcomed Jesus gladly. And being accepted by Jesus, changed Zacchaeus beyond all recognition, verse 8. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give away half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. It's a miracle. A man who was driven by money gives it all away to the poor. A man who swindled so many out of so much repays them four times over. And so Jesus said, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Abraham was the the man of faith in the Bible. Held up 
right through the Bible is a great example of a man who believed, who, who put his trust in God, who trusted the promises of God. Zacchaeus now was like him. Zacchaeus had put his trust in God. And everyone could see it by the way his life was changed. Be sure, this isn't Zacchaeus buying his way into God's kingdom. No, he's a son of Abraham. He's simply putting his trust in Christ. But here's the thing, that simple trust in Jesus is seen in his life being changed and transformed. So when you've met Jesus, I mean when you've really met him, life cannot be the same anymore. We were talking about this as a staff team, on Wednesdays, we were looking at this passage together and uh, we all told our stories of how we became Christian and what difference it made to our lives. It was lovely. Uh, instant changes. Meeting Jesus and truly trusting him changes you for the better immediately and forever. David Gooding describes it like this. Zacchaeus discovered that acceptance with God had given him what he'd sought in vain for years from wealth. The compulsive drive to make money had gone. Indeed, he felt he no longer needed half his wealth and he gave it all away. All his life, Zacchaeus had looked to money to give him what he wanted. All his life, he trusted money to make him something. All his life, he believed that the meaning of life would be found in money. But money doesn't buy you happiness. And in meeting Jesus, Zacchaeus had found where true life was to be found. He didn't need his money anymore. That's what happens when you become a real follower of Jesus. Your life is turned around. And it shows itself in very real and practical ways, in real change. Indeed, doesn't this story say, if your life doesn't change, then you've really probably never really met Jesus. Not really. The story of Zacchaeus is a brilliant story. Not just because he was a little guy, and for some unknown reason I have an affinity with little people, no, this is a brilliant story because it tells us what Jesus is really like. He's the good shepherd who, verse 10, seeks and saves people who are lost. He's a friend of sinners. That is brilliant news for people like you and me. Despite all we've done, despite all the rubbish in the past, we can be friends with Jesus. And it's a brilliant story because it tells us that God can do the impossible. People that you and I look at and think they'd never become a Christian, become Christians. And when they trust Jesus, they change immediately. And when you think they'll never come to carols by candlelight, they might do. And they might become a Christian. And they might change. I'm sure there'll be someone like Zacchaeus here this evening. You came here this evening to see Jesus, just as Zacchaeus did that day. You didn't need to climb a tree, but as I've been speaking, it's as if, not me, but Jesus has sought you out in the crowd. As I've been speaking, it's almost as if God has been speaking directly to you. And you've been amazed to be thinking, is it true he wants to be my friend? Even though I've done all that stuff? He'd accept me? Yeah, he would. Because he died for you. So why don't you become his friend today, tonight, now, right now? I'm going to pray a prayer which would uh, be a, the sort of prayer you could pray along that will be just 
this sort of prayer to say, I want to be a friend of Jesus now. And I'm going to read the prayer to you so that if you want to pray it, then you can pray it along as I pray it. So that you know what it is. And it goes like this. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the friend of sinners, a friend to people like me. Thank you that he died on the cross to make us friends. I turn to him today as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. Help me to live for him from now on. Amen. That's how the prayer goes. And if you're sitting here thinking, I want to become his friend now, then pray this prayer along with me now, line by line. I'll pray it shortly, short enough, line by line, so that you can echo the prayer in your own mind and God knows everything about you, so he'll hear you saying it in your mind. And that's how you can become a friend of his. So let's pray together now. So if you'd like to pray along, here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the friend of sinners, a friend to people like me. Thank you that he died on the cross to make us friends. I turn to him today as my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend. Help me to live for him from now on. Amen. If you did pray that prayer along with me, then uh, I'll be standing at the door at the end of the uh, meeting and just uh, ask me for one of these booklets and tell me you prayed that prayer.